quit talking about how wonderful an event we had last night. So I'll once again say how much I enjoyed that and appreciated that. Over the last 175 years, there have been thousands of people who found a home in this church. And we are connected to those people. Some didn't stay a long time. Some stayed their whole lives. Some people walked in here occasionally on the first day and just said, this is it. And then there was the story that um, David Maynard told last night about the choir director who came and stayed, was not a member, but stayed for 25 years and then signed the membership book. And David said, well, why, why did you do that now? And she said, well, I finally realized I wasn't going anywhere else. We're so fortunate that 37 people gathered together 175 years and one day ago and founded this community. They and everyone else who helped in any way have made a place for us. It is interesting, I think, to ponder how we decide which occasions we should celebrate. Because we have certain traditions in our culture. So it may not seem like the most important thing, but why should we celebrate 175? Why didn't we do 174 or 173? Or maybe we should do it every year, Kathy. <laughs> How's that for a creative idea? Of course, we in our culture are fascinated with multiples of 10 and 100 and 1,000, sorry probably because we have 10 fingers and 10 toes. And 75 is 3 quarters of 100, so perhaps that's it. It's a quarter of a century. Perhaps it's just arbitrary. But here's a different question. Why is it important that we made it to 175? What is the big deal about that? Why do we want to celebrate that? Why do we celebrate longevity? and think that is a good thing. Most of us celebrate living a long time as people, but why would that be important for institutions to live a long time? Why would it matter? I think that part of the answer to that question is tied up with our search for community. Most of us want to be part of a community. Many of us studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs at some time or another, that one of our needs is to belong, to go someplace. In the old Cheers TV show, you want to go where everybody knows your name. You want to feel at home somewhere. And part of what many of us do in life is to search for a community or communities, special places, where we feel a sense of belonging and also where we like that place and want to belong to that group. I had a group of high school buddies that I felt very close to. We were pretty wild guys in a 60s sort of way. And we went through a lot together. And two out of my core group became clergy. Myself and a good friend who became a rabbi. But after high school, we didn't see each other much. You know, once in a while, we didn't stay together as a community 
on a day-to-day -day basis. We did have a reunion about seven or eight years ago. I actually preached a sermon about that reunion, and it was wonderful, but we still don't keep in touch, actually. I look at them fondly, but they're not my community right now in life. I went to, uh, after I dropped out of college, I went to Denmark and became part of a place called an experimental college, which was kind of a neat experience, and it was an attempt to have a community. It really was, and it was also a genuine community, but it didn't last long in my life. I was there about three months, and then I left and went off traveling. When I started meditating in my 20s, I became involved with a community of meditators. And for some of those people, that community became their, their people. I kept meditating, but that didn't become my community. It wasn't until I was 30 that I found a sense of community that I felt I could depend on to endure. I think that's one of the things I wanted, and that was at a Unitarian Church in Chicago, Second Unitarian Church. I was entranced by the inclusiveness of Unitarian Universalism, and I felt like all the different things I was interested in, I could bring into that church. I could talk about, I could talk about baseball, and they would not throw me out. I was just entranced by that. I could talk about meditation. I was into the great books in those days, and I could, and I, you know, I have Baptist background. I felt in a way I was a, I could be a Baptist Unitarian, if that's what I wanted to do. I had a friend at this church who was sort of a lapsed Episcopalian, and he, but he went to the Unitarian Church, and so he was a Trinitarian Unitarian. You see how inclusive that is? That's really inclusive. Then we left Chicago. Would the whole thing fall apart for me once again? But amazingly, it didn't because we came here, and there was another community very similar to the one that we had left. Now, you might say that my whole story here is somewhat skewed because I'm a minister, and I agree that that's true. But the... It's happened to other people as well. So there was a continuity there. There was, in a sense, our same community, but a different aspect of it, a different part of that same community. And so I uh, felt connection quickly. And of course, I was the minister. <laughs> but there is a power in communities that persist over time. There's something about that that creates certain kinds of possibilities for people. They provide a sense of belonging that can persist and grow and evolve through different stages of our lives. That's one of them. I remember once about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I there was a group of us gathered, and we were going through the name tags out there. And what we were doing, and I don't know, remember exactly what the motivation was, but we were going to take away the name tags of people who we didn't see anymore. That was the project. And, you know, sort of declutter, I guess, something like that. And so, actually, 
I was not that excited about doing that, to be honest, but that's what we did as our project. We, we took out maybe 20 or name tags. And uh, the shelves looked less cluttered. And then about a month later, somebody walked through the door and went over to that rack and said, where's my name tag? So there is a kind of continuity in belonging to certain kind of communities. You don't necessarily even have to be there all the time. And you might go away for a while and, and come back. I've seen that happen so many times. You might even get irritated with that community and go away for a while. Or you may live in another city for a while. But often, when there's a certain kind of bond, people come back and they want to see their name tag. So I think that's a powerful message. We can be connected at different stages of our lives in different ways in a community that endures. So we might come back 10 years after we went to Sunday school and come back and say, there's my teacher. There's the guy that one day we found out where the cookies are hidden and had a good time. So there's a stage of ongoing connection that is possible in communities that endure. So the longevity of a community creates different kinds of uh, atmospheres, ambiance that is different in something temporary. It's a powerful thing for a community to endure and evolve and change and to be there for people consistently over years and decades and even centuries. Now, it's not enough just to endure for a long time. That's, don't that doesn't solve the problems of life. The KKK has endured for a long time and may meet some of the belonging needs of its members, quite possibly. But we would never recommend becoming a member of such a hateful organization because of what it stands for. So what we stand for is part of that identity that gives value to this community that endures. And to be a healthy community, we need to be centered on life-supporting values. The community needs to be anchored in healthy goals, like the search for truth and justice and compassion and love. It needs to have a direction. It needs to have a purpose. It needs principles to guide it. And so, in our Unitarian Universalist tradition, we have seven principles that outline this sense of direction for us. They're not eternal statements. They're not dogma that you have to swear allegiance to. They're just statements of where we feel the direction is right now. Worth and dignity for every person. Justice, equity, compassion. A responsible search for truth and meaning. Respect for the web of life. Democratic process. These are things that, as far as we know, are worth pursuing in our way of being together. And they can change and grow over time as we feel the need. 
But we have a sense of what our best life looks like. And so we have certain ways of saying that's the way we want to live. And these become our guiding lights. And they get changed sometimes. So we have a community that provides a set of principles that point a direction for us and that continues over time to welcome all different kinds of people at different stages of life and development. All kinds of people. I want to suggest that the fact that this community exists over time really extends the possibilities for us to be useful in the world. It creates the possibility of coming back home for people. Perhaps every Sunday, perhaps after an absence, perhaps discovering new inspiration at different times of life. It creates possibilities for relationship, like intergenerational relationship. Knowing people at different times in our lives, maybe as kids, one of our uh, youth that uh, grew up in this church, part of her growing up, Annie Gonzalez, is a Unitarian Universalist minister now and is going to have her first church uh, this coming fall. That's For us to have that ongoing relationship with her is part of being uh, an interconnected web of communities that endure over time. Like Aaron Kinney, who we have gotten to know much better this year, and to whom we all owe a debt of gratitude, and that we actually feel some sense of relationship with Aaron Kinney. Thank you, Reverend Aaron, wherever you may be, on whichever level of reality you want to look at that. We know you through being a community with a history. For this community to have been here for 175 years, creating possibilities for relationship, spiritual growth, activism, and for caring, mourning, and celebration is a powerful thing. It's not the only way to be powerful, but it is one way. So it is a good thing that we have been here for 175 years. We've had a wide-ranging influence in this community. We are actually leaders in this community, whether we're conscious of that on a daily basis or not. We've had tremendous influence in this wider community. So much of value has taken place here. And we are certainly not finished yet. Are we going to just say, well, 175, that, that was the goal? <laughs> I don't think so. What will we do next now that we have celebrated this landmark time? Much of what we need to be doing next are things that we are already doing. Much of it. There are things that are happening now that we need to continue working with. But part of our character is to be moving forward 
to being sensitive to the needs of our members and also to the wider community in which we live, and being sensitive to the needs of our times, which are many and some of them very difficult, very difficult indeed. And when we look at our times and match that with our principles, we see huge gaps that are opportunities for us to contribute in some way. We have made wonderful movements in the last few years to be more multicultural and anti-racist. The Beloved Conversations uh, people who just completing that program, in our discussions we say we would like more people to participate in that. So if you know about that and have been thinking about that, I'd like to plant a seed for uh, being part of Beloved Conversations. We need to continue this movement and deepen it. We are becoming in this country a more and more diverse culture. And if we were to somehow fail to notice that and not pay attention to it, there would be a danger of irrelevancy for us. Thank goodness that's not what's going to happen. So that's part of our future, to become enthusiastic and joyful participants in this way of our culture to be more and more inclusive. We are the people who are in the inclusion business. That's who we are as universalists. We have discovered a sense of activism in the last few years which is healthy, although not always comfortable. And we need to treasure this ability to make decisions about things we can do in the world. When I came to this church in 1991, there was a great I guess I'm just going to say fear about doing any kind of activism because in the history of the church there had been a very difficult time during Vietnam and people felt wounded over that. And so I think that wound has healed to some extent, a significant extent. And we can make these decisions and we do. And we can make decisions with respect to everyone for everyone and not assume that we all necessarily agree on everything, but neither should we assume that we can never do anything. There's a balance, that's a kind of polarity, respecting differences and making decisions. We, we can do that and we have learned that we can do that. And it's a very healthy thing for our church. And as I mentioned before, people look to this church for leadership in the community. I don't know if any of you asked for that, <laughs> but that's who we are. It's the truth. I hope we will continue to play that role with as much dignity and respect as we can muster. And feel the sense of uh, history in that as well, as that comes from the history of our church. And it comes from our principles calling us to do those things. And along this road, we need to make friends everywhere. We need to make friends everywhere. We need to be part of fusion coalitions with other UUs, with Buddhists, atheists, environmentalists, 
activists, Catholics, and evangelicals. Why do we need to do that? Because the survival of humanity depends on it. Just that simple reason. It's not about theology. It's not about whether we agree with everybody. It's just about whether the world, it's not so much the world, it's us. Whether we as human beings can make it. And our ability to make it depends upon us being able to build bonds of friendship everywhere. And it's also fun. This is the best chance we have for a healthy human life on this planet. And we need to continue to endure, to be here over the years. We need to keep those doors open. And when people come in the doors, we need to welcome them and say, we're glad you're here. We need to have heartfelt worship and good activities and classes and hot coffee or tea to hand them and say, we're glad you're here. Our future will depend on that as well. We need to comfort each other when those times come and celebrate the times of loss together and celebrate all the wonders of life. We need to have celebrations. We need to support our principles and stand up for them in dependable ways so that when people wonder what our church is like and what we think about things, they know, oh yeah, we know them. They marched with us last year and the year before that. They show up. And people know whether we show up or not. Our principles are not dogma, they change and evolve, but being here with our principles and our own particular style year after year, decade after decade, the door wide open to everyone with a deep commitment to each other, with respect for other religions and for the non-religious, ready to be in relationship with anyone who comes in peace. We need to plan the 200th anniversary. But not yet. <laughs> We're going to relax. <laughs> but we need to plan to be here. And in that interval of time, be moving ever closer to our vision, the mission statement, to our UU principles, and trying to live out the very best quality of life that we can envision. Day by day, year by year, being true to our tradition and to each other, we will live into this new world that we are committed to create. So may it be. <laughs>